Um, just so brilliant to be in the Lord's presence with you guys tonight. This is just fabulous. Uh, this is better than anything could buy. Just to be in his presence, to experience him, to know him, is just the most fabulous, fabulous thing. And, uh, you know, he, our God, is ultimately a dad. He is Papa. That's, that's the word that Jesus used about him, Abba, which we would say Papa, you know, Dada, whatever. And that's who he is. He is an incredibly loving dad. And guess what? He wants all his kids back. He is so relentless in his love. He's so passionate about his kids, including everybody in this room and everybody out there. He wants all his kids back. And he wants his kids back. And how does he do it? He sends Jesus, his son, his perfect gift, his pure, pure gift to be sin for us so that we, in believing in him, could have our sins taken away and become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus so that we can be accepted now before him. And that's why we, it's wonderful to chant Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Why? Because there's no other way. There is no other name that is given amongst men whereby we may be saved. It's the name of Jesus. And he's our hero, for goodness sake. If it were not for him, we would not be able to have this relationship that we have. We wouldn't be able to enjoy what we're having. And it's okay to go nuts about Jesus. It really is. It's okay to chant in church. Maybe we're getting back to medieval times. Get back into the chanting, huh? Like those monks used to do. It's okay to chant in church. As long as it's not a dirge, it's okay. It's just life. And uh, that's what we've been doing tonight. Because we have a heavenly papa who is filled with pure love. Just delighted to see his kids coming home. Just delighted to see his kids enjoying his amazing love. Jesus is just getting off his throne, dancing around, celebrating. Because finally, there's some sons and daughters on the earth that are getting it, that are catching a hold of what it's all about. It's connecting to the Heavenly Father, receiving the heavenly provision, living in it, and then pouring it out into a world that is so desperate, it's ready for the real thing. Because it's tried, it's tried every other kind of drink and it hasn't satisfied it requires a drink of the refreshing river of God and that's what does something in people's lives eh? and that's what we've done and that's what we want to pour out and so tonight I, I just feel the Lord has asked me to speak about the river of God and um, there, is, there is something about rivers or a river that reflects the nature of God amazingly God is um, really into rivers. And in his creation, he has created rivers and they are representative of him. And uh, one of the things that I I love about rivers is that um, as they pour out down the mountain stream, they're just life-giving. So wherever a river goes, life. You've got beautiful 
trees that grow on the banks. You've got fish that swim in the waters. You've got birds that swoop and duck and dive. And, you know, it's just a, whatever is going on away from the river, where there is a pure river flowing, there's just life. And this represents what God is like. He keeps on pouring out. And if you get around what, what he's pouring out, it'll transform any desert place and make it joyful and life-giving. Huh? And it really doesn't matter how dry the desert is. Just get the river around the desert and the desert will blossom like a rose. And no matter how, how dry our lives have become, no matter how desiccated and cracked and just parched our lives have become, just when you get the water of the river of life flowing, it's amazing what happens. You know, I love watching natural history programs about the... The, uh, the land and the world. And one of the things that I love is the program that shows what happens when the rain comes in Africa after the long drought, you know? The animals are emaciated, aren't they? They've hardly got any meat on them. Their ribs are all showing. Their tongues are hanging out. They're panting. The old water hole is just shriveled up and just little. And they're all trying to drink out of this muddy water. And then... The lightning starts and the clouds begin to gather and the rain falls and suddenly you get the river flowing back in its river channel again. And it's like, whoosh, the whole grass comes out, the color changes instead of brown and dark uh, uh, and dried out, it becomes green and life-giving. It's what the river does. And there's, there's a river in God that flows out of him that God intended us to drink of his river. And out of his river, we were intended to drink and become transformed so that out of us would pour rivers of living water to the world around us. So what we're enjoying in here tonight is, is not some sort of sideshow. This is the real deal. This is his presence. This is drinking of him. So I, I want to show how rivers are really important to God because they represent what he's like. So I want to turn to the scriptures, okay? So we'll start at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis because that's a good place to start. Just to show right from the outset, God intended rivers to represent his nature. They are life-flowing. You know when that river flows down the hillside, uh, it's just bubbling. It's just filled with joy. You can't help being joyful. There's a sense of atmosphere that a river carries that you receive joy. God is the most joyful person in the universe. In his presence is fullness of joy. So this is his nature. And so rivers reflect his nature. So Genesis chapter 2. And we just read from verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden. And there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of, no of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it divided and became four rivers. And 
He tells the names of the rivers. And uh, it says, verse 13, the name of the second river is Gion. It flows around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third is Tigris. It flows east of Assyria. The fourth river is Euphrates. Just to say this, in biblical numerology, four is the number of the earth. And so there's four rivers mentioned. And so God's intention was that this river that flowed into the place of Eden in the garden where God had placed man to be, that river was intended to bring life to the whole earth. What Adam and Eve were enjoying was destined to be exported. Now, what you have in the first two chapters of Genesis is God's intention. And when you look at the last two chapters of the Bible, you've got a fulfillment of all that was in the intention in the first two chapters. So I'm just going to flick over to the last chapter of the Bible. It's Revelation. It's Revelation chapter 22. And in verse 21, uh, chapter 21, first of all, we're introduced to this new heaven and new earth that is coming down from God. It's called the Holy City. It's called the New Jerusalem. It is a bride which is the church. So this is the church being born from above, coming down from heaven. And in chapter 22, then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb in the middle of its street. On either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, what you had in that second chapter of Genesis was this river that split into four, four in being the number of the earth, and that the earth was to be influenced and transformed by the river that came from God, ran through the garden, and then blessed the whole earth. What you have in the fulfillment is that the bride of Christ, the new Jerusalem, the church of God, comes down out of heaven, and what's in the middle of this city? A river. And what's in that city? The tree of life is either side of the river, and the, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. The blessing of the nations is the fulfillment of what God intended right in Genesis 2. What God started in Genesis, he will complete. He will finish. And the river of God is central to what God does. So what comes out of God and flows to us from God, we really need to honor what comes from him, because what comes is life-giving, it produces, it is filled with joy, and it brings nourishment and blessing, healing and wholeness, not only to our lives, but to the lives of the nations. This is God's intention. He wants to reap the nations because Jesus paid the price for them. So what is coming here tonight It's not some sideshow, like I'm saying. It's the real deal. It is a blessing, a river, a flowing of God that's to bless us. Um, You know, it says in Psalm 46, verse 3, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. 
So what flows out of God is there to bless God's people, and what blesses God's people is intended to bless the world. If we don't honor the river, we end up living in the desert. If we don't honor what comes from God, we end up trying to make our own river and we're not very good at it. We were never meant to live by that which we produce ourselves. We were intended to live by, in the river and in the supply that comes from God. And I just want to share a bit of a personal testimony uh, with you because, uh, like I said yesterday, when it comes to you guys, I feel like an insider because I've been around a whole load. You know, I, I remember when the church was planted. Edil Church was the first church I ever preached at up here in Yorkshire. And so, you know, you guys... And the history that you have, uh, I'm an insider. So I'm, I'm speaking as one of you, you understand, because of my shared history. And um, Marge and I lived up here in Yorkshire. In fact, until we moved to Leicester, she'd never lived anywhere else. And so, uh, but we lived up here in Yorkshire. And uh, in 1994... We were based in Bradford, and right across this nation, God began to break in with a move of the Spirit, which few of us understood, but it was just breaking out all over the place, and for no reason at all, nobody told a joke, nobody cracked a funny, and yet people started laughing in church. <laughs> Of all places to laugh, they started laughing in church. And it became infectious. Because when person starts laughing, and it begins to spill to the other person, and they go, what's he laughing about? I have no idea, but this is just... It, it is tickling my funny bone, and so I'm going to go with it as well. And so we had laughter, and we had rejoicing in the church, and the leaders didn't know what to do with it. You're supposed to be serious. You're supposed to be listening to what I'm saying and you're just disrupting the meeting. And so back in the 90s, this wave of God hit and laughter and joy. And we had to get used to being happy in the house of God. It was an unusual thing. And then some people, you know, they were just like slain in the spirit. They were just poleaxed. And they would be lying on the floor in the presence of God. And, you know, the, the, other, thing, the other thing that happened is that in lying there, people were learning to drink of the spirit and were getting drunk. 
And, you know, they'd be lying on the floor drinking, becoming intoxicated by the spirit <laughs> and uh, not able to do things. And sometimes this was leaders. And, you know, the leader was given a mic to say something and what he would come out with is absolute gibberish, which would set a bunch of people off laughing. And I, I, I have to admit that uh, I was one of those that laid on the floor and <laughs> drunk and got drunk. And there were times when Marge had to drive me home. Because <laughs> I was not fit to be behind a steering wheel. <laughs> I'm laid on the back seat of the car. She's driving me home, I mean. And I'm supposed to be a minister, for crying out loud, you know, and here I am being driven home in the back of a car. And so this, this move of God came, and, and when, when we moved from Bradford down to Leicester back in 1996, that move of God was still continuing. When we went to Leicester, it was happening down there. And we just flowed with what God was doing there too. But we were a bit clueless as to what was going on. And in the back end of 96 and into 97... There were churches all over the country that had had received this wonderful life flow of God, drunk in meetings, that began to say, what is all this about? What are we doing? And leaders began to say, it's been a time of refreshing, now let's get back to work. A time of refreshing. And churches, especially during 1997, excuse me if you're so young that you can't remember back then, but I'm just giving you a bit of a history lesson. In 1997, churches all over this nation began to, well, let's get back to work because the time of refreshing is over. And I, for one, lift up my hand and say, I'm a guilty leader because I did that too. We didn't understand it. And the reason we didn't understand it is we never went to the source to find out what was going on. Because <laughs> the stream is always purest at its source. And we never went to the source. And this stream came out of Toronto. <laughs> we never went to Toronto. <laughs> We were just a little perplexed by some of the stuff we were hearing out of Toronto, but we never went there. It's like, let's not do that. But here's the interesting thing. Those churches that stayed in the river, the river that was flowing out of God, began to experience stuff and began to be pioneers of churches 
across the world. One of those churches was Bethel Church in Redding, California. <laughs> they stayed in the river. And when we went to Toronto, we discovered what this river was all about because we called it the Toronto Blessing in, this, in the UK because that's what the newspaper called it because it happened in Holy Trinity Brompton, breakout of God and laughing and all this kind of stuff. And the newspaper, the British newspaper, discovered that somebody had been to Toronto and brought it back and called it the Toronto Blessing. In Toronto, they never called it the Toronto Blessing. What do they call it? The Father's Blessing. And when I discovered that, it's like, ping! The lights go on. This is what it's about. It's about connection to the Father. Our daddy wants his sons back, wants his daughters back. He doesn't want us to live formal religious lives. He wants us to live in intimacy and in his love and in what flows out of his heart. He wants the desert places of our lives to become refreshed in the sparkling, pure, clean waters of his love that refreshes us and causes the barren places to blossom so that we come into the fullness of our sonship. This is what God has always intended. And so, when Marge and I um, took our sabbatical 10 years ago, one of the things God spoke to us was going there to Toronto, and we readjusted. And we repented for not honoring and for not lining up with the flow of God. And our eyes were opened to this whole understanding. It was all about a father and his kids. And why did people lie down? Because God was delivering us from striving and from activity and bringing us into intimacy. Because it's not about activity, it is about intimacy. And so when you lie down, you can connect in heart. And and what was all the laughter about? Because when you're reconciled in relationship, doesn't it give you joy in your heart? When, When kids come home, I mean, you know, we've got four kids. When they come home, isn't it such fun? Well, sometimes because <laughs> the house gets filled and it's manic, but it is fun to have the kids back home. And, and, and God wants his kids back home, connected in heart and, and joyful. So what we did was instead of continuing in the river, we tried to get back to work uh, and discovered that it wasn't a good plan at all. And by the, by the mid-2000s, around 2005, if you ask Marge, she would say Ian was wiped out because we were never intended, never intended to be disconnected from the life-giving flow of God. And God so graciously, in all my busyness and in all my activity, whispered into my heart to take a sabbatical and take time out so that I can reconnect with his incredible father heart of love, the river of love that flows out of God. 
And the river is still flowing, guys. I want you to know the river hasn't stopped. The river is still flowing. Anybody who will connect with the river, anybody who will drink of the river, wherever the river goes, life flows. This is the river of God. And so God has never intended us to live dry and parched and barren. And he is wanting us to connect with his river. And Mark Stibby said a really uh, important thing yesterday when he was speaking in his session that uh, Jesus, the Son of God, stood in the river, lived under an open heaven, and this is the way that he lived his life. That he stood in the river of God, lived under an open heaven, and that the Son becomes the forerunner for every other son, man and woman. Every other son is to stand in the river, to live under an open heaven, and hear Papa say, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. This is is what God wants to call us into. And that instead of living out of striving and pressure and having to do effort, it's simply... Receive him. And it's so counterintuitive because we think we've got to work harder and, and the Lord is saying, stop it. You're wearing yourself out. And we're trying our hardest and he's going, stop it. I never intended you to try harder. I intended you to just receive what's pouring out of my presence into your life. I'm wanting you to be refreshed. And we tried to get the foot pumps going to pump up water. And we're breaking out into a lather and a sweat trying to pump up the water. And he said, stop it. Just enjoy the life-giving water that's coming out of my presence. And so, I'm so grateful to God in the way that he led Marge and I to readjust and say, we want to connect with this river again. Not, not that we constantly do the same thing of, you know, fall down a laugh. That's not the issue. The issue is, the river connects us to our Father yes. to live in His Father's love and to be truly sons of our Heavenly Father so that our life lives out of sonship and not striving and orphan-heartedness. And so this river that's still flowing here tonight, that's still flowing across our land, across the world, I, I, I want to unwrap what this river is like because it's really important we connect with this river. And the characteristics of the river are the characteristics of God, okay? Because yes. it comes from him, it represents what he's like. Yes. And like I say, he is a papa. He is a father who is perfect love. Yeah. So what the river is bringing is his love to us. He's wanting to pour love into the deep places of our lives. He's wanting to extinguish everything that doesn't speak of his love. And the fabulous thing is, however messed up we are, there's more than enough loving God to sort us out. 
It's not like God is going, oh, I'm not sure I've got enough of that. <laughs> There's so much love. And he's never, ever worried that we've made a mistake that's so bad he can't sort it out. He, he doesn't have that thought in his brain. He's perfect love. And his love is able to heal us, to mend us, to restore us. His love is able to transform and liberate our lives into his glorious, glorious promises for us. So this river is a river of love. It comes from a God of love, who's a papa of love. And so it's into deeper dimensions of love. Basically, guys, there's only two kingdoms with two cultures. There's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of Satan. The kingdom of God has got a culture of love because God is love. The opposite of love is Satan's kingdom, which is a culture of fear. Satan is filled with fear because he knows his judgment is coming. And there's nothing he can do about it. And fear is an inferior motivation to love. Do you know what the Bible says? Perfect love casts out fear. Like light casts out darkness. Walk in this room, throw, throw the light switch. Boom! The darkness has got to go. I mean, it's not even an argument. It's not even a fair fight. The darkness goes. You put the light on, darkness goes, light comes. When love shows up, fear gets fearful. It can't stay. Because love replaces fear. Wherever the enemy has had his creepy little tentacles into our lives... to try to get a foothold with fear. All you require is Jesus to show up with his love. Boom! And fear has got to go. Whatever hold it's had, it shrivels because perfect love casts out fear. And even amongst his family, amongst God's family, where his kids have been affected by fear or shaped by fear, he's just got a smile on his face as our Heavenly Father and goes, I'm going to get it. I'm going to expel it with my perfect love. And all we have to do is just open up our hearts to perfect Papa's perfect love. And allow what flows in his river of love to refresh us. It's like the land that you see on the natural history programs in Africa. It might be part, but when that river comes, the landscape gets transformed. And as I open up the doors of my heart to the river of God, he transforms the landscape of my life. And the issue is never what's happened to me in the past. The issue is what's flowing to me from the presence of God right now. Because his love never fails. His love has the capacity to heal, restore, renew, transform 
His love never fails. And so what we're enjoying here tonight and what God is pouring out across his beautiful body is this river of love that enables us to be released from the paralysis of fear and into the glorious fulfillment of being loved. That's why these songs emerge like I could sing of your love forever. Because why wouldn't you? It's just so wonderful. Song goes on and on. I could sing of your love forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Because this love just keeps on coming and I could sing of your love forever. It's all about love. And it's it's sad. Here I am, a 60-year-old granddad, discovering, having been a believer since I was seven years of age, that it's all about love. But once we understand this, wow, just transforming. And because God is love, his intention is that his love is so poured into our hearts that we become famous for love like he's famous for love. Isn't that what Jesus says? A new commandment I give to you. What's the commandment? that you love one another as I have loved you. So I give what I get. That's why it's important that we receive. That's why it's important that we get. That's why it's important that we stay connected and keep receiving because it's what we receive that we give because my love is pretty paltry. My love isn't going to cut the mustard. It's going to be his love that's going to bring the transformation. I give what I get. And God wants love to be the way that we are to live. They will know that they are my disciples by their love. Not not by their theology. Not that I'm against good theology. I'm not. I, I think theology is good. But it's going to be love that distinguishes the people of God. And there's more coming. There's always more. So this river is characterized by love. And because it comes from him, love is what God is like. Therefore, God is transforming us in his love. And because he is a papa, and Jesus revealed him as a papa, that's why he said, when you pray, pray our father. So he's first of all a father. And so because he's a father, and he is our father, that makes us sons. Would you agree? So when I say sons, you understand I'm not excluding women because sons in the Old Testament receive the inheritance. In the New Testament, everybody receives the inheritance, men and women. That's why Paul says we are all sons of God. Men and women, Jew and Gentile, bond and free, we are all sons of God. Whatever our background, coming into Christ, whatever God's promise, Christ now becomes our promise. We are all sons of God, joint heirs with Christ of all that God has for us, okay? So my identity is a son of God. Your identity is a son of God. Now this river is a river of sonship, And as this sonship flows to us, it delivers and sets us free from orphan-heartedness. 
often-heartedness, but I've got to do it myself. Because if I don't do it, nobody's going to do it. That is not a biblical verse, okay? Sonship is, I've got access to divine resource. Sonship means that all that the Father is, is for me, because I'm an heir of God, and he wants to share with me. If me as a natural dad wants to give good things to my kids, how much more will a perfect papa want to give good things to his own children? And so God is bringing us into increasing degrees of sonship, and in the process, he's healing us of the orphan tendencies. And we've all got them. Where we revert back to orphan-hearted condition of me and mine and I've got to protect what I've got just in case anybody else gets it. And God is saying, let me in. Let me, let me make you a son that is so generous that you become like me. You give it away because what you give away, I've got a whole lot more to give you anyway and I want to pour it into your lives. And the things that have hurt us in the past and caused us to withdraw and put up the barriers and live in caves and keep people at a distance, God is saying, I want to so love you to wholeness that instead of living like orphans and living in the back of a cave, I want you to live in the brightness of my love and I want you to represent me well to the people around you because God is interested in not just one son but many, 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 many sons that represent his nature into the world. And you have been called to be sons and represent him into the world. And therefore, we're all on this journey out of orphan-heartedness, me and mine, it's all about me, into linking up with this incredible river of love and his river of sonship that sets us free to be amazing and all that he intended us to be. I think this is just fabulous. As the church gets released into sonship, boy, society just changes so much. But hey, if I am to become a son, I have to open up my orphan tendencies to his love. To let him touch me in those areas. So that my thinking and my feeling isn't orphan-hearted, but it's actually lining up with his big heart. So this river of God tonight that's coming to you, let, let him touch your spots. Those things might be the painful places. Let him touch them. And in a moment, he can restore those spots. He can remove them and transform them, cause you to be sons that represent his nature. This, this river that's flowing... I, I could say a whole lot about the characteristics of the river, but I just want to say a couple more things. One is a river of grace. Yes. When Jesus came, he came full of grace and truth, okay? So the son is full of grace because he was living in connection to a throne of grace because there's a God of grace on a throne of grace that pours rivers of grace to all of his sons. And grace means it's God's ability to do it, not my ability to strive and make it happen. So I choose to get out of trying to do it in my own strength and my own striving. And I leave that and enjoy the river of grace that enables me to be what I am. 
And this is the Apostle Paul. He says, I am what I am by the grace of God. Not by my own study. Not by my own hard work. Not by going to university and doing whatever. It's just pure grace. And this river of grace will enable us to become what we could never ever become as a result of self-effort and study. Trying harder, working longer hours, nose to the grindstone. That kind of mentality is often-heartedness. It's not sonship. And as we embrace grace, woo, it's just so fabulous. It's, there's an ease with grace. Jesus has come to me, you who are heavy laden, you who are worn out. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give you stuff that comes from me. And it's a grace thing. He just freely gives you rest. He, free, he freely gives you of, of his nature. It's, it's grace. Do we deserve it? Certainly not. It just comes from him. It's grace. There's a river of life tonight that's flowing. It's grace. And the other thing I'd say is that as well, is that this river that comes from is is a river of peace. I I love the Hebrew word shalom, which means peace, which just means wholeness. He wants to bring wholeness to every area of my inner being and every area of my relationships. Every area of my life, every area of our community life together, he wants to bring shalom. Because he lives in shalom. He's the God of peace, okay? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit live in perfect shalom. Never a cross word. Never a misunderstanding. Never anything of wrong attitude. They live in shalom. And they're inviting us to come in through the river that flows from the throne of God to an environment of shalom that is breathtaking. Where we are really not shaped by what shaped societies. Where the anxiety that's out there doesn't penetrate our hearts. Because we've learned to so drink of this river of peace that peace like a river transforms our souls. This is his calling on all of our lives And all I've got to do is to respond to his invitation to drink of his river. That's why Jesus says, is anybody thirsty? Then let him come to me and drink. The invitation is constantly there. Will you come to Jesus? What was brought in the prophetic word or the exhortative word tonight of looking to him? Come to him. If he's got this invite, open invite, come to me, it's up to us to take, up, take him up on it. Come to him, drink of him. Then here's the amazing thing. If anybody's thirsty, that's the only qualification. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be educated. You don't have to be anything other than thirsty. So thirsty is the only qualification. If anybody's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. What happens if you've ever had a drink from him? then out of his belly, out of our own innermost being, is going to flow rivers. If we drink of the river, we will produce the river. If we will receive the river, we will become a river. 
God wants his sons to be rivers of blessing to the people around them. And this is his calling in our lives. And so this is the nature of the river. These are some of the characteristics of the river. And God is wanting his church. And I'm going to speak to you as an insider. He's wanting this church to be a river church. To live in the river of God. Not to be people that once camped near a river, but actually a living right now in what God is pouring out of heaven. And the wonderful thing tonight is, I think you already beat me to the message. Because <laughs> you're already drinking. You're already receiving. You're already appropriating what is coming out to the very heart of God. And all I'm going to say to you is this, do it some more. Keep drinking, keep receiving, keep, keep enjoying the generosity of the perfect Papa who constantly wants to pour out to you so that your church life is always shaped by the flow of the river. You're never, ever, ever again going to live in dry places. You will be a people that are so camped in what comes from God, the river of God, that what you're drinking flows out of you. And guess what? The change is going to be in Keithley and the surrounding regions as what comes out of you transforms the environment out there. Look, there is no contest, guys. What comes from heaven is always superior. And whatever's going on on earth, what comes out of heaven is able to transform it, renew it, rearrange it. A man will say, I don't know what to do. And God says, well, give me a chance and I'll just show you what I can do. And if we drink of him, out of our bellies will flow rivers of living water. And I believe God has called you here, chosen the likes of you, to receive his river, to drink of his river, so that you become the river of God out of your own bellies, become something that brings transformation to your environment. And one of the things that's really going to touch people is the way that how you are being transformed. Because God is taking some of you and he's doing such a job on you of turning you right side up and straightening you out and making things pure and clean that yourself you're going to be an amazing witness and testimony to what God can do it's like if God can do it to him or her he can do it to anybody takes the most unlikely of people he takes people that other people have thought, I, can't know, I don't know what to do, I've, I've given up on them. He says, bring him here. And as he does that, you become living testimonies of the love and goodness and nature of God. Out of your bellies are going to flow rivers of living water. So here's my encouragement, because I believe you're already doing it, and I'm just encouraging you to remain in this. Line up with the river of God. Line up with his love even more of his love. Don't ever be ashamed of drinking more of his love. Don't ever be sidelined into thinking, oh, I've had so much, I'm not sure I should have more. I, I, I be, might be interpreted as being greedy. Go ahead, be greedy. Just receive some more. Receive some more love that 
destroys fear, receive some more fullness of sonship. So that orphan-heartedness just melts away and that we're truly sons. And receive more of his grace and more of his peace so that we can represent what he's like. So right while you're sat, just open up your hearts. I'm going to pray for you. Right where you're at. Lord, I just say thank you for this precious bunch of people. And Lord, I just love the fun that we've had in your presence tonight. Just the joy of living in what flows out of heaven to us. It's just so precious. Lord, we were made for your presence. We were made to receive what comes from you. And as we open up our hearts tonight, Lord, take us from the degree of glory that we are and bring us to another degree of glory. 